Hey guys, Sklar Brothers here with Dan Van Kirk. Yes. From Dumb People Town, and we've got Adam from Adam Ruins Everything. Adam Conover on the show this Hello. week. Hello. Good time in Dumb People Town, right? I mean, you like to make people smarter. When they finish watching your show That's what I try and to do. listen to your podcast, they try and be smarter. We are going to not be focusing on those people in this, <laughs> in this episode. No, but we are going to focus on possibly the greatest eyewitness to any one of our stories. Mulver. 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 The first story Mulver. has one of the greatest Dumb People Town characters everywhere ever and he didn't actually do anything wrong <laughs> check it out today's episode is brought to you by last rampage the new true crime film starring robert patrick heather graham and bruce davison and we had the pleasure of speaking to someone involved with the movie so uh, my name is alvaro rodriguez i'm the screenwriter for the last rampage as a writer to me i'm less interested in genre and more interested in character and, you know, I've written in a lot of different genres, you know, um, kind of horror genre, thriller or action movie or kids movie or, you know, different kinds of things. And it was always more, I was always more interested in character and hadn't really quite done something like this before, but was just uh, really drawn to this idea of, um, of a guy like Gary Tyson who, you know, had been in and out of institutions from the time he was, you know, a kid um, and uh, and having sort of raised three sons from behind bars uh, and how these three sons kind of grew up in the church of Gary and thinking that their father had been, you know, unjustly accused and unjustly convicted and all of this stuff that they were getting fed um, from their mom, Dorothy, who's played in the film by Heather Graham. So to me, it was just, I was interested in telling that kind of a story, telling a family story. You know, to me, the most interesting stories are family-centered in, in some way. You know, they're elemental stories. They're stories that um, go back to, you know, to the most intimate and elemental parts of ourselves. So the idea of fathers and sons, you know, there's a line in the script about, in the movie about that, um, you know, where Gary tells his oldest son, you know, Donnie, there's only one law you got to worry about, you know, and that's a law of fathers over sons. And the only way you're going to, you know, get past that is, you know, by this, you know, by dying, basically. But kind of threatens him a little bit. But um, so that was really you know, the touchstone for me, uh, trying to figure out how to tell that story. Don't miss Last Rampage, the true story of the prison break of Gary Tyson. In theaters September 22nd and available for on-demand pre-order August 22nd. Find out more on Twitter by following at Last Rampage Film or on Facebook.com slash Last Rampage Film. Hey, welcome to part two of the X-Files Files Marathon. Um, by the way, my episode of the X-Files aired last night, Mulder and Scully Meet the Wear Monster. I see my episode, I mean uh, Mulder and Scully's episode, Darren Morgan's episode, Reese Darby's amazing in it. I have a very small part, but it's it was just great to be in the X-Files and to be in a Darren Morgan episode and to be in a great episode. It is such a great episode. Uh, I will be doing a whole episode about that, about my experiences, doing that, stories that I haven't been able to tell before that now I can tell that since people have watched it, 
and um, just sort of break down that episode that'll be coming out soon. But this is the second part of the marathon. So the first part of the marathon, if you remember, had Folia Do and Home. The second part is Unnatural and Clyde Bruckman's Final Repose. And after Clyde Bruckman's Final Repose, I interviewed Darren Morgan on stage. So it's, uh, it's pretty great. I think we are ready to start again. Uh, before that, I wanted to give away, we have a couple loot crates here that are, from what I understand, excuse me? Are they January loot crates? Uh, I don't know, but they have X-Files guys. Yeah. This is the, oh, you already have the shirt? Is this a January's one or is this an older one? So how did you have the shirt? I don't have it yet. I uh, it oh, that's very cocky. <laughs> okay, so they have that, and there is a bunch of other stuff. There's Space Invaders stuff. This is so. Oh, there's another X Files thing. What is this? Um, I don't want to. Okay. Oh, it's an LED flashlight. <laughs> so, I'm gonna ask who thinks they can answer an X-Files trivia question. Okay, I'm gonna ask you. This one's easy. What Darren McGavin show inspired the X-Files? Right, that's correct. So you get this. Now this one, who is the biggest X-Files nerd here? Like for real? Really tough, it's you? You, you sure? Okay, what's your name? Amy. What is Mulder's cell phone number? Oh one nine nine. That's very close. You win. That was very close. That was very close. There you go. And uh, we have a bunch of these shirts, and I'm just gonna like sort of toss them into the audience. I'm gonna try and get him back there too. Excuse me? <laughs> Here, that's for you. I got, are you guys ready for another episode? Okay. So this episode, I really, really, I really wanted David Duchovny to come and he couldn't make it, which is very sad. But I thought for a little bit that he, he wanted to come, he just couldn't make it, so I asked him to pick an episode. So I'll just, um, we're just gonna watch it, but I'll tell you his description of this episode, and then we'll watch it. His description is, it is his meditation on America's broken heart through baseball and racism. So obviously, I think we all know why that one was important to show. Because it's the only one fully based on a true story. <laughs> that all happened. Um, um, that one, obviously, the, the last uh, 
sequence with Mulder and Scully. <laughs> I want it because on the podcast, I talk a lot about how I'm not a shipper and people get upset at me. And I wanted to show ones to be like, hey, all right, I'll throw you guys a bone. Check, check this out. I get it. <laughs> they work together. Um, I like the idea of like David Duchovny writing that episode and directing it being like, okay, so I put my hands on her hips. <laughs> I do it twice. Now on average, each scene probably takes what, 30 takes or so? So 60 times that's gonna happen. Um, just uh, and I, it had like so many amazing actors like that. That it's it's like stacked. Jesse L. Martin. I mean, everybody is like so fantastic in that episode. And I thought it's a good mix of like it ties into the mythology in a very very um, sideways uh, fashion, but also it's uh, it's very moving and also very funny and uh, just kind of sweet. Um, are we ready for the next one? Not quite. Not quite. Okay. Does anyone have any comments on that, or do you want to say anything, or this is your chance? Second one with the baseball. That's right. Um, I planned that <laughs> and didn't just realize it when I got here. <laughs> I felt like segueing from one where they're just um, uh, baseball sort of ties in, and Mulder talks about it a little bit, to then one where David Duchovny, you see that that's part of who he is as a person, and so he wanted to write a really baseball-y episode, so I wanted to show the progression of... <laughs> and then I trail off. Um, anything else? Yes, yes, what are the, since we have a Mulder porn reference in this one, so yeah. it, it's been now 20 years since they're back. Do you think Mulder's... Uh, foreign obsession is just drawn, drawn Well, the oh, internet yeah. has happened. So you tell me. I think Mulder's computer is one of those where you hit R and it goes, Red Tube. Why? You porn. P. Pornhub. Pretty sure that's happening. And I think once you, when you see the new season, you'll see that Mulder hasn't really been super active in the FBI. I think he's been active in other ways. Uh, okay, all right, so we're ready. We're gonna see, uh, we're gonna do one more episode and then we'll do a little break and I'll, uh, before the break, I'll interview uh, another person. And this episode is, um, uh, let's just watch it. <laughs> okay, so now we uh, go and we watch Clyde Ruckman's Final Repose and when I come back, I'll talk to Darren Morgan. Hello. It's me again. Um, so yeah, that is my favorite. Um, I mean, there was one day when I watched that episode three times and I cried more each time, <laughs> which is very, yeah, it's, uh, I, I just, it's, it's like, well, okay, you know what? I'm not gonna ramble up here, so, I mean, I'm not gonna ramble up here alone, so uh, please welcome to the stage the writer of that episode, Darren Morgan. <laughs> Darren. Thank you. Thank you. So what'd you think? <laughs> it's pretty good, right? What's weird is, is this on? Can we turn it up a little bit? He's soft-spoken. I'm uh, 
seen things that, even though I wrote it and seen it a billion times, that I never picked up before. And so my question to all you guys is, is Scully immortal? Oh, you, you motherfucker. That's, you're, do you have, what? <laughs> well, okay, you, you, we should discuss that, because, okay, so we talked about this, and from from that on, it's become a weird part of, like, X-Files lore that she's immortal from that one line. Well, that, well, but they... Then they, they reference it, but this is where it starts. My impression was, he's just being nice to her. What do you think, Darren? <laughs> I, I refuse to clarify. We're all free to believe whatever you want, no matter how silly uh, it might be. Come on. <laughs> Did you set off to write like, oh, I'm gonna write the episode that makes Scully immortal. All right. I will say that you had another contribution to X-Files canon that I think is less controversial, which is that Mulder dies from autoerotic asphyxiation. <laughs> that one, as soon as everyone heard that, we're like, yeah, that feels right. <laughs> That's probably how he goes. No, no one has ever questioned that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that one makes sense. Um, so, uh, you, you, you know, we've, we've talked before, and we've talked about this episode, and you... I was disappointed you didn't cry this time. Well, I didn't want to embarrass myself in front of you and all these people. Okay. Your brother almost made me cry on stage. He did. He did. Glad I wasn't here for that. <laughs> did you... So do you like watching... Because you have like a weird... Because you're like sort of very... You're an amazing writer, obviously, and you're, but you're hard on yourself. And you find problems in this episode that you have said that you find it hard to watch because you see like things that you don't, that you think you could have done better, which, I, which is crazy to me, but. No, I've, I've grown used to, uh, over the years, you just accept that, that there isn't a perfect episode. There's always things that could have been better, or done better, you see little things, uh, which I do watching that. I saw a bunch of things, but you go, oh, who cares? Who cares? <laughs> Who cares now, you know? Um, but I did enjoy, the, the thing that I, and maybe I mentioned this to you before, but you know, as a, as a TV writer, you, you almost never get to see uh, something you've written seen with an audience. Uh, so this is the second time I've seen this ever uh, screened with an audience. And it's also very uh, special to be shown here at the, I used to come here all the time to see the silent movie theaters. Some people don't know the Clyde Bruckman the character's name is given was an old uh, silent movie uh, gag writer and director, and so I used to come here to see movies that I'm sure he was involved in. Uh, so it's just kind of nice seeing it here. Um, this, you know, this theater. I don't know if any of you. I haven't been here in a long time because I moved a bit farther away. But I, I, I used to come here all the time, so it was great to see something that I wrote on on this screen. Yeah, I emailed you to be like, hey, would you come talk about it? And I was I was very happy that you were like, I'm so excited that something I wrote is, is screening here. Uh, some, uh, 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 someone wrote a biography on the real Clyde Bruckman that came out last year. And I think also the year before, uh, a woman wrote a book about all Buster Keaton's, uh, anyone who, uh, his crew, anyone who worked on his films. And at the end of her chapter on Clyde Bruckman, 
she has this very, very angry footnote where she just goes, you know, doing uh, research on Clyde Bruckman is so hard because oh, it's just a stupid X-File. Uh, it has nothing to do with Clyde Bruckman. She got, and I was like, reading it, I literally went, whoop, Jesus. Sorry, Lee. Oh, what I love is that you named it to pay tribute to a person you liked, and you ultimately uh, were responsible for dragging them into obscurity further. <laughs> well much. done. Thanks. But you couldn't have seen that coming, which is a great segue. <laughs> so this episode, you know, every time I watch it, I have more questions. I was like, I'm going to write down some questions for him, and then I just ended up filling up the whole thing. To me, you know, the, the idea of... I think a lot of this episode, for me, is about like determinism. He says, "If how could I see the future if it didn't already exist? And I always saw the ending as they do change the future, so that Bellhop sees the future and then it, it changes, so that maybe there is like some sort of free will thing. Were you getting at anything with that? Is that a fair reading, or am I just being very optimistic? You're, you're being very optimistic. <laughs> uh, my thing that I was, you know, I'm not making any point or anything, but, you know, in, in doing a thing about uh, someone having psychic ability, if you believe in psychic or fortune telling or, or what have you, there's certain assumptions that I believe you have to make that I'm not willing to make. Uh, I'm not willing, I, I believe in free will, so I don't believe people can foresee the future, uh, even though the idea is great and makes a great episode, you know. So it, it's more that that it's and and I think that's ha, has to do with a lot of the topics on the X Files is just simply going if you believe in this type of thing, there's certain things that you have to consider that possibly a lot of people haven't. Yeah, it's 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 right, right. So and with this one, it was like you basically were like, if there's a psychic, there's going to be more than one psychic. And also, if there's a psychic, then and if they can predict the future, then there is the future is already decided. And if they can predict the future, if they can see the future, they should be able to see everything. It doesn't make any sense that someone can see how you're going to die but not be able to pick the lottery. <laughs> there, there's certain things that you should, and you can still believe in it. You can still go, well, there's an explanation I can't understand. Blah 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 blah. But but you're wrong. Yes. <laughs> Saying that in L.A. is very scary. That's it. If, well, because uh, I agree with you, and it always is someone that I'm talking to, and then they're like, "Well, you know, my psychic says," and I'm like, "What's well, good? You don't believe in religion? You think that's stupid?" <laughs> really taking a strong stance up here. Um, this is a Queequeg. quick shows up. For a very sweet pet, he has a very um, uh, bleak uh, appearance and demise. What, what's funny is uh, when we picked the dog, like uh, when we did the thing, yeah, just any old dog. And you know, you have, I don't know how we pick the pictures, but oh yeah, this dog's fine. Whereas uh, now, because I'm, uh, I got dogs, I'm much a dog person, I would have been much more specific on the type of dog. Well, well, because the the Pomeranian fits for the old lady, and that's I think why it fit. But Scully, uh, Scully would not have a Pomeranian. <laughs> well, and that may have contributed. Spoiler alert to what happened to Queequeg. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> you were like, get, get, get rid of this fucking thing. Quee, quee, was a, wasn't, was a problem. Uh, was oh, oh, wait, I, I will say this. I, I, I will say this, and, and I talked to Chris about this because, because Chris is also a big dog person. Um, we were a, a couple years ago. We talked at a, a school, and people were were asking us. Uh, this is before we did the uh, new episodes, of course. If you did the show now, how would you do it? Well, you know, because technology has changed, and everybody was asking questions about all these kind of big changes. And me and Chris were more like, well, no, the, the show would be different because we're older and we're different and we, we view things differently. And my example was, I never would have allowed us to kill off a dog. <laughs> because killing off a dog, even a fictional one, really bothers me, whereas a, whereas a human, who cares, kill as many humans as you want. Yeah, humans on some level have deserved it. Exactly, exactly. Every human has done something that you're like, if they get murdered, I mean, net gain. Um, one of my favorite uh, speeches of all time and anything is the one that ends with, I know, dolls. Like that whole, that's such a great speech. I, I, I sound like Chris Farley up here. <laughs> that was awesome. Um, that's, but I really like this, you know, when it, it's one of those episodes that I've never seen the same way twice, even now watching it, it, it feels different to me each time. But, and I got a little, when I first saw it, I got a little obsessed with that thing of like, what have I done in my life that has led to this, that has led to this, that has led to this, and now that I'm here, well, what could I have done differently? But that doesn't matter because now, what am I doing now that's gonna affect the future? Are these like things that you think about a lot? Or was it just like, oh, if it's a psychic and the future is determined, then let's, um, let's just play with that. You know, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not that philosophical, so I haven't thought of it. But every, but everybody, just, that's but everybody like the most thought, philosophical. But every, everybody thinks everything. I think that's why. I think this, this one of the reasons why this episode resonates with so many people because everybody has gone. Oh, what if I did this? Or, yeah. Blah blah blah. blah. Uh, there was a oh a short scene between Scully and Brockman uh, in the hotel. I don't know if we talked about this on the. But we can talk about it. Okay. Uh, it, it was very short. It was between, like, oh, um, what are you doing? And before they have the, uh, we're going to be in bed together. And uh, he goes off on a speech about how our, we would view our lives differently if we could see the entirety of our lives from beginning to end. We would see patterns and things would be much more clear. And maybe we've, we've already met our future wives. We didn't know they were in blah, blah. And it's kind of a philosophical thing. And that was supposed to be how Scully, without really kind of sticking in, figured out that she had already seen the killer. She knows the killer is that. Uh, I see, yeah. And so that was like a little philosophical thing. I don't remember what the joke was. Obviously, they had to have ended with a joke. But I always remember there was a writer. He wasn't on the show, but his office, he was a friend. His office was, a, was above mine on the Fox lot. And he read the script uh, at, while I was cutting the episode. And he goes, oh, my God. That, that scene, that joke where the guy says this, that's the funniest thing I've ever read. I go, oh, I just cut that scene out. <laughs> so that's it. What, what, what? I, I don't remember the line. I don't remember the line. I'm sorry. Is it sure it wasn't that good. <laughs> yeah, you literally were like, there's one thing that's awesome. It's the funniest thing. I don't remember it and it doesn't exist. That's what life is. You're kind of like Clyde Bruckman. This one, not the one you made obscure. <laughs> 
Um, another one of my favorite X-Files scenes, again, is the w w w that scene where the way he deals with Scully versus the way he deals with Mulder is so interesting. Because Scully doesn't believe him, but he clearly has a lot of affection for Scully. Um, that scene, the um, we end up in bed. There are hits and there are misses, and then there are misses. That's such a sweet, beautiful, yes. Uh, uh, this is what I've always forgot to tell. I go to on, on the podcast, even though we talked about everything else. Go make sure you ask me about this. Uh, Scully's attitude towards uh, Bruckman is because she doesn't believe in the psychic. She can treat him as a human being. Yes. So she treats him better than uh, than Mulder does, because Mulder only cares. And the analogy I would make would be that uh, for me, like when I was younger. You're obsessed with uh, this has to be a good episode, blah blah blah. That sometimes you were maybe not as nice a person as you should be, that type of thing. And the the, ex the thing I wanted to talk about that I never talked about was uh, in the cockroach episode, which I know is your favorite. He I don't know why he hates the. No, that's the not <laughs> true. Now, why do you my, say that? Your your brother's right there. Is that who you're looking for? Uh, no, my my girlfriend. Is, she, she she claims she saw a Joe McHale interview where he said that was his favorite episode, and I thought of is you. that why he's in more than one of the new season? <laughs> Fuck. So so the cockroach episode. So in the cockroach episode. Why are you watching interviews with Joe McHale? What does he have that I don't? <laughs> Other than height and taller. Yeah. Classic Hollywood looks. <laughs> Sorry, what were you saying about the cockroach so episode? So the cockroach episode, Duchovny's mom was there for the shooting, right? So we put her in. We put her in a shot. Duchovny's mom. We're going to put her in a shot. So can you know have and and I and Duchovny's mom. I I liked his mom so much better than him. His mom was really sweet. <laughs> well, well, no, I, no, that's not. Because his, I think his mom liked me better than him too. <laughs> so, Wait, we got a lot right. I need clarification. Did it mom? Did did his mom like you better than she liked her son? Yes. Okay. <laughs> that was the impression I got. What I'm trying to say is, I really liked her. She really liked me. The company's mom got to put her in a shot. Put her in a shot. But the problem is when we're cutting it. You know, Kim Manners was the director. She's in the crowd, and it's the shot starts on her, and then the camera kind of pans over, and then goes over to the fire engine. It's it's the end of the episode where the thing's blown up, and the problem was it took so long to go from Scully's mom uh, to the company's mom to it was like it's like ten seconds. I can't. We gotta cut it out because of the the episode. It you no know, time factor. I need so I cut Dakota's mom out of the episode, which is what I'm saying is like Scully's like now that I'm older, I go there's no way I would cut Dakota's mom yep. out of the episode. I bet now she I likes think, David better than she likes right, you. Right. <laughs> well, he goes well, you know when I told him he uh, was over the phone and he just goes he he saw the episode. She goes so he cut my mom out. <laughs> And I go, I go. She's got to know it's a cruel business. This is, is how they they learn. This is how it goes. <laughs> You're a monster. I, it's true. Not a good person. I, I can't believe I did that. So, but today, that's how you change. You don't you don't cut that out, and you take you find ten seconds somewhere else. Yes, exactly. Yeah. 
Um, well, there's um, another. Uh, I won't go. I like your sh- I like your shirt, by the way. It's uh, it's about the show called The X Files. Yeah. <laughs> so here, wait. This, so here's an open question to the to everyone here. <laughs> so I was gonna wear today one one of the few memorabilia things that I still possess from my days on the X Files. What which, do you mean still? Have you been giving them away? No, no I, I didn't. I didn't have that much. Okay, sure. Uh, but it was it, it was my. I survived Teso Dos Bichos t-shirt. <laughs> okay. uh, uh, but my girlfriend convinced me that that may come off, that may come off as kind of snide or snooty or something. No. Okay. Why? Well, because she was like, oh, people are going to think like you're ragging on another episode and, you know, oh, I'm so great. I can make fun of it. And I was like going, no, no, these are the only people that will get, <laughs> that will understand. <laughs> but it's, but it's a, and I didn't wear it because it kind of made me look fat. I don't know how. <laughs> but it's this really great t-shirt. It goes, it goes, uh, X-Files, uh, three, whatever the episode was, season three. Uh, and then it goes, uh, uh Tesso Dos Bichos Survivor. And then on the back, it has a, it says double salmon and it has a salmon fish with a cat in its mouth. And the cat has a rat in its mouth. <laughs> because, uh, you know, film scripts are color coded. Each uh-huh. strap is a different salmon. color. Right. So you go salmon would be number 10. And then if you go more than 10 drafts, you start double white. Double yeah. Blue. And so they had, they had gone all the way to whatever the previous color. So like 19 drafts. And Kim Manners, uh, asked John Scheiben, who was the writer, to just do one more change so they could get to double salmon, which he had never in his whole career ever had to direct a script. They went, it's, you know, 20 rewrites, and then they would, we'd, we'd make shirts. So Scheiben and, and uh, Kim actually made the shirts and gave it out to the... Oh, really? Yeah, so, so they got to double salmon? Yeah, so they got to double wow. salmon. So that's why they have the fish with a cat. That was a cat episode. So it took 20 rewrites to make that? <laughs> I, I think it's great. It, uh, obviously, they needed to go to twenty. <laughs> but as I as I said on your on your podcast, anyone anyone on the show who did more than one episode wrote at least one stink burger. Uh, you know, there was always everyone has written one. Well, you know, John Shaban has written amazing, amazing episodes. He's written. Yeah. He, he wrote a lot of them, and like I said, we've all written back. And it was like he could tell everyone. Everyone knew that it was problematic right uh, then y- well when was it when when it was like and then 30 cats attack was that <laughs> well well this is an, this is another point this is another point i always make uh if you think about whatever your favorite x whatever your favorite x-file episode is imagine hearing someone say the premise out loud for the first time which is om- almost always sounds stupid it doesn't matter it no, doesn't let, let, yeah Let's try with Glenn's. There's three people, they fucked their mother. <laughs> I definitely want to watch that. No, if you go, there's an episode about a guy who can stretch himself and eats livers and he hibernates for 40 years, whatever. You don't go, oh wow, do two episodes about that. <laughs> That's great. And so, so the, the one of the difficulties with the show was any, any idea just sounded stupid from the get-go and that some episodes ended up great some episodes stayed terrible and <laughs> and it was really hard to know so you ha- kind of had to you just had to keep going and then at some point you had to go okay this isn't working or uh, well we're, we're fucked it shoots yeah. next week I'm sorry the, so, yeah. the, the cat guy is here we've already paid him 
Look how much cat food we bought. <laughs> we gotta shoot. Well, you guys are making 24 episodes, 24 new horror sci-fi stories. There's only, it, it's so, it, it seems impossible. There, there was inevitably always going to be episodes that didn't quite work or, yeah. and you could only just shrug and go, okay, well, next time, you know, we'll do better. We'll get some sleep. Yeah. That was tough. But even so, I mean, I, even that episode, I mean, it, because, you know, the cast is so good and the show has such a defined, like, look and feel that I, do, I truly think that every single episode is, um, has merit to it. I, I, I didn't know how that, I didn't know how my sentence was going to end when I started. <laughs> I feel like I did okay. <laughs> Found the word merit, which is a good, vague, positive-ish word. <laughs> Merit could be, you know, people got paychecks from that. <laughs> um, let's talk about, we, we talked about this, uh, the, the, the speech that um, uh, Peter Boyle, uh, who won an Emmy, and you won an Emmy for this as well. I was, I was hoping you'd bring your Emmy. Yeah, <laughs> you show up with your Emmy, yeah, I, I, wearing I, an I Survive Teso Does Beach House shirt. <laughs> Look at this fucking asshole. <laughs> who does he think he is? Only Emmy, only writing Emmy. That's right, right? You guys only won one? No, we won more. Of writing Emmys? Well, right, no, writing, yeah, I was the only one. Yeah. Um, the, the speech that Peter Boyle gives uh, uh, to Mulder to freak him out about how he's dead and dying and says goodnight, uh, the, the part where he says putridity and liquescence. So you ran into some SNP problems with that, right? With the, that whole speech. It's like one of the darkest monologues uh, that's ever been on TV. Uh, the, the monologue was just, as it was originally written, was just much more specific about factually what happens to a body when it dies. Uh, but the censor felt that uh, combined with the image, it was just too much, and so things like I couldn't say maggots. Yes, he, he says insects. And but maggots is not a dirty or scary or horrible. Look, well, I to I told you on the thing when Clyde Bruckman goes to vomit, he sees a thing and he's supposed to go puke in the toilet. He, they couldn't hear the puke, so it sounds like he's coughing, and then the toilet flushes because they felt off screen puking. No, you know. And then meanwhile, you watch, yeah, you, you watch like you know Hannibal or something yeah. nowadays, and bloods, you know. Is, Guys are coming, you know, it's like uh, times have changed. Well, but even after the credits, we see eyeballs and entrails laying in that. You see of... a dog eat an old lady. They yeah. didn't have a problem with that. <laughs> that's pretty great. <laughs> I like how Scully's just like, oh, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> this dog is fine. <laughs> I'll never think of that when I look at this dog. He, was, he was hungry. He was, uh, yeah, it's not, it's not his fault. And I think that's a great moment we've talked about before with the, the you said, sometimes people don't realize when he uh, lights the guy's cigarette and he sees, he, he, he's like, oh no. It's the old woman's lighter, so he's getting a, a flash that the woman is dead and being eaten by her dog. Uh, and as I said on the thing, nowadays you'd have to have a flashback, a, a, yeah. a flash of like, oh no, no, the dog, yeah. because most people aren't going to pick that up. But um, that was, we did that one time when you could still be subtle. Yeah. <laughs> those, those days are over. <laughs> um, there was, uh, the, the other thing about it that we talked about before was he talks about, to me, I was, you know, I'm, I'm pretty like positive, optimistic person. So, and this is one of my favorite 
episodes, and so I, even though it is, what you do really well is sort of depressing, sad, and funny together, and that speech where he says the putridity and liquescence, good night, that's a great example of that, like the darkest, bleakest thing possible, and then a great joke to break that tension. But I saw the ending where he <laughs> kills himself as I was like, well, he's talking about it earlier, and he's like, this is the only time he feels like uh, at peace with himself finally. So I'm like, it's kind of a happy ending because he's at peace. And you were like, he kills himself. <laughs> I was like, yeah, <laughs> I'm working too hard. <laughs> You're trying to find a positive spin on yeah. suicide. It's, it's hard to do. It's tough. Let's not go there. Um, <laughs> It's tough. Uh, there was another thing that I really wanted to mention real quick before I, I, it's gone. I lost it. Um, but um, is there anything you want to say about the episode? Um, is it when is it crazy that twenty some years later it's playing at you know that people are still like talking about it and um, and I won't shut up about it every time I see you? Uh, it, it's it's weird. What's weird about it is, and I don't know how this happened, but when we were doing the show. Uh, you, you know, that was back in the day when uh, in order for a thing to be seen again would have to go into syndication, which means 100 episodes and stuff like And so there was no guarantee that what you did would ever be seen again. It could be screened that night, the night it airs, maybe it would be rerun in the summer. After that, there's a chance that it would, this was before VCR, uh, they started selling VCRs or, of course, DVDs. And so... So there was no way of assuming that people were ever going to see an episode more than once. And yet, I, I don't know if, like I said, this was never said explicitly. It didn't come from Chris or Glenn. But everyone operated on the assumption of you have to write a thing that people will get more out of if they watch it more than once, which is a weird kind of assumption to make for that time. Now, yeah, OK, people can watch things. And so I just find it kind of interesting that a lot of the uh, a lot of the episodes still kind of hold up. I know some of them don't. Some of them weren't that good to begin with. Some of them don't for culture. Yeah. <laughs> just being honest. Uh, but so, the the best episodes, and I, I like to hope that this one is is one of them. Uh, you can watch you they. I know a lot of people have rewatched the old episodes for coming up for the. And I think some of the best episodes merit being watched again. Yeah, and this one, it's you know, it's obviously a really funny episode, but also there's like certain patterns that develop. The thing of like, are you um, underscore expectations over and over? So right from the beginning, where they're like, "Well, this guy's gonna come. He's spooky." But it's not Mulder, it's the stupendous Yappy. And that sort of thing happens over and over when he goes, oh, it's you, that thing. A lot of times you think this thing is going to be one way, and then Clyde Bruckman's character definitely like sort of does the opposite. Um, that happens a lot in this episode. And, and that's something that I only pick up the more I watch it. There's always some sort of, uh, it was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I want to also uh, thank you. Because in the new season, you wrote and directed an episode, and you wrote something. Who, who's in it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the one I'm in. And it's uh, thank you for, to this day, one of the best emails I've ever received was, was an email from you like, hey, um, uh, so I'm writing an episode. Like, if I write a part, would you, would you want to do it? <laughs> And I, how quickly did I respond? 
It's pretty quick. Yeah. <laughs> it was pretty quick. But you I didn't want you to go down the line. You're like, all right, Aziz, I wrote a part for you. <laughs> He's another brown comedian. <laughs> I know. He's shorter than me, so I'm his Joel McHale. <laughs> Yeah, I, I was going to say the reason why I wanted to work with you because I always liked your work on the Big Bang Theory. <laughs> yeah. It's a dream come true. Yeah. If I was on the Big Bang Theory, I'd be wearing nicer shoes. <laughs> they make a lot of money. They make a million dollars an episode, which uh, nobody, nobody deserves. Um, <laughs> meow. <laughs> Who deserves a million dollars a week? Nobody who does anything deserves a million dollars. Except for, like, teachers. Um, so I wanted to thank you for uh, putting me, making me, you know, be a, a small part of this uh, thing that I love so much. And does anyone have any questions for Darren? Let's uh, raise, yeah. Oh, well, we already called on you, so is there a new person? If there isn't, we'll go to you. Thank you. Yes. Uh, so thank you for coming. Uh, I really think that this and Jose Chong are maybe... I just wanted to ask you, um, you know, obviously your episodes kind of opened up the X-Files to be kind of a different style than it had been, you know, more comedic, more quirky. Was that a conversation that you had, or did you kind of turn your episodes and then it just sort of opened it up from there? It was, we didn't have a conversation about it. Uh, no, what it, it, uh, as I think I said on your the on your podcast, the first one, uh, I was I basically got the job, of course, through Glenn. I was asked to write an episode, and I, I'm I'm a, I I write what I write, whether you use a comedy or whatever. But that's the kind of style I write, and so I just wrote as best I could, and it had a lot of jokes in it. And uh, Glenn read the, I wasn't even done yet. Glenn read the first draft. And he had some he had some concerns about it because well Chris hired you he's got to know uh, what you're getting and so he gave it to Chris and um, Chris liked it enough to just want to do it uh, so it was never a specific conversation about hey let's let's do a lighthearted or whatever you want to call it uh, it just it just sort of happened and uh, it didn't it didn't make any sense why we did it it, it would never happen nowadays. Oh, I will say that I, I I didn't appreciate it at the time, uh, but Chris, uh, Chris would have never. I, well, I don't know if Chris would have done it, but no executive producer would do would would do it today, uh, because there's just too much risk. You you you've already established an audience, and to do an episode, unless it's like a very special episode, you know that they okay, but you're not going to change the style of a show because you might lose fans, and no no network or studio would would allow you to do that. Yeah, and the thing is with the X, uh, you know, it was, it always was a funny show because the leads are very funny. I mean, we just saw Home and that's like the, maybe the darkest episode of the show ever did. It's also like brutally, really funny. So obviously I think you, you knew that these guys could pull off like something that was more comedic than, because you'd seen stuff. Yeah, but I didn't really know that. <laughs> I didn't really know that, that they were funny, but uh, I didn't know if they could do it or not. But they could. 
Yeah, like like Glenn was saying this, but like David is like a he's Duchovny is a super. He's very funny guy, and he's funny in the way that like he's not like a actor funny. He's like comedian funny. Like he likes to like riff, and he's really quick. Like he just has like joke, 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 joke. Um, it's really uh, he's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Any, any, y yes. Fine, thanks. Um, I can't imagine anybody else doing the role. Did you ever consider anybody other than you? Uh, you know, it's weird because we, I, uh, yeah, we did. I won't say who. Um, <laughs> no, <laughs> I, not, not for real. And what's, what's weird is I, I did write the, I did write the part with a specific actor in mind. Uh, I had a, I knew a guy who worked on a show that this actor worked on, and he was a problem. So I was okay. Uh, uh, but then after that, and this is like, okay, here's here's an exercise. If you, I'm sure there's a lot of people who work in the business, but if you want to know what it's like to be a a TV producer, here's here's what it's like. You've written a part, and you go, only Peter Boyle can play this part. He's perfect for the part. You've written it for Peter Boyle. I gotta get Peter Boyle. You ask Peter Boyle to do it, either he can't do it, doesn't want to do it, wants too much money or whatever. They go, Peter Boyle's not available. Okay, you then have a day, maybe, come up with another actor. And you're like, no, he's the only one. You know, that you have someone in your head, and then all of a sudden it's like, well, who are you gonna get? And then you immediately start going, you immediately start going, okay, who's bald? You know, you just, you, you know, and it's just like, and, and that's what, and, and I, I went through it on the, uh, you know, the, the new series where you go, oh, I want the, and then it's like, oh, we've only got an hour and no one's available. And so that's really what it's like is you, you, you think, oh, only this person can play the part. But the reality is often you can't get that person. And so you're, you kind of go, well, who can play the part? You always look for the person that looks like that person, but you go, okay, what qualities does the character need, blah, blah, blah. And sometimes you get lucky, like I didn't, uh, I didn't want to cast Charles Nelson Reilly and, and Jose Chung. Uh, I, wanted, I wanted to cast Rip Taylor, because I'm an idiot. Uh, but Charles came in and auditioned, and he was great. Rip Taylor wasn't available. I cast Charles, and you know what, nobody could have been better than Charles in that part, so you, you luck out. Yeah, I don't think anybody could have been better. Uh, I was going to say, though, the guy, oh, yeah, Jose Chung, yeah. Uh, thanks, because uh, I, I like Jose Chung a lot. But I was going to say, uh, even back in the day, I, we used to talk about this with other writers, you can really tell a lot about a person. And this was back in season three when there was less to choose from. You can tell a lot about a person by what their favorite X-File is. Uh, it's like a psychological test of sorts. And so you know, the six that you're picking today Oh, is, come on. is telling me a lot about you. You have no idea what I've been through. <laughs> What, 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 of the four that we've, what, what, what have you learned? Oh, I'm not gonna tell you. Okay, I'm just right. afraid, I'm afraid of you. Great, let's do it. But it's true, is it not? You can tell a lot about a person based on what their favorite X-File episode is. Yeah, and um, I, I, I've learned that I'm fucking awesome. <laughs> um, yes. Uh, so what kind of dog would Sally have? She'd have an Irish wolfhound. <laughs> She, she'd have two of them. Let me guess, you have an Irish wolfhound. Two of them. <laughs> um, 
Yes. So my favorite episode is Small Potatoes. Yeah. And I was wondering, how did you go from being like a writer on the show? Like, how did you make that jump from writer to actor? That's the one so people know. Darren is an act, uh, plays a rapist. <laughs> Thank you. That is a really great episode. It is. Uh, you go from being uh, a writer, writer to an actor, an actor because uh, I was no longer employed and out of work. And Vince Gilligan called me and said, uh, "Hey, you want? Hey, you want to do this job?" <laughs> See. <laughs> And, and you go yes, because I have to pay my have to pay my rent. Uh, I will say now, whenever uh, if I ever want to impress anyone, I never say like, oh, I I worked in the Expos. Oh, I've got it. I'm walking around with my Emmy. I never do that. I just say uh, Vince Gilligan once cast me in one of his episodes. <laughs> I'm, I'm untouchable. <laughs> um, all right. Well, De what was your question, Devin? Oh, great. Um, should we do, I'll do one more question and then we'll take a quick break. Or are we, we let's just take it. Darren Morgan, everybody. And that's the end of part two of the marathon. Um, follow me at X-Files Files. Oh, go and vote the podcast on the uh, podcast page on iTunes. Please give us good stars, five stars and good reviews. I think that would be great. That would help us sort of climb the ranks. And uh, very soon you'll listen to the third part of the marathon with Chris Carter and Glenn Morgan returns as well. And then we, uh, and then I'm, I'm going to do this Were Monster episode soon too. So enjoy guys. Thank you. Do you like science? Do you like jerks? If you answered yes or no or declined to state because you Illuminati, man. Then you should check out the Science Jerks podcast on the Boardwalk Audio Network. Each episode, we talk about science news and play games with our comedian friends. The Science Jerks. It's science merged with comedy. Because Let's do some science.